0: And so the title of today's message will be Positioned in Christ, and this will be part one. I know there will be a part two. I'm not sure if there will be a part three, but I'm going to go light on today. I'm not going to even say that because I don't know what the Holy Spirit is about to do. I have no idea. Uh, but what I want to do is I did the born again experience um, Then I want to do position in Christ, because as you were born again, you entered into God's family. You have to understand your position. Amen. If you don't understand your position, you don't know how to think. You don't know how to act. You do not know who you are. You do not understand where you pray from. You would think that you come before the father and you pray as a sinner. And that is not the case. Once you have been born again, the title of sinner is removed off of you. God no longer sees you as a sinner. He sees you as his child because you have been born again, meaning you have what come into his family. And so we're going to do position in Christ. Part one. Like I said, it might be a part two, but eventually I want to get to um, position, but not developed. Because we have been positioned because we were born again. Now we need to understand who we are. It's a lot of scriptures that talk about uh, who you are in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's a position. That's how heaven sees you. Heaven sees you as being righteous. But you don't see yourself as being righteous. Or you try to do acts to make yourself righteous. And the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. So the righteousness that you try to bring before the father, he said, it smelled like dishwater. So we want to learn our position. But then after we learn our position, we want to learn that we still have to be developed because the, we are spirit. We are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul, but I live in this body. So when you were born again, you were born again, made God's child at the spirit level. You were not saved at the soul level, which is your mind, your will and your emotions, which is your mind and your heart and your soul. That was not saved. That's the part of you that needs to be renewed. That's the part of you that God does not disturb because you have to give it to him. God would never take your will from you. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you could never experience the life because you never changed the way you thought. You never addressed the issues in your heart. You never allowed your soul to be developed. So, yeah, you are in Christ. You are a child of God, but you never see any of the benefits of it. And so when we uh, a couple messages after this, we'll do position, but not develop, because that's when the Holy Spirit comes in. That's when you need to understand the purpose of praying in tongues, the purpose of fasting, the purpose of reading the word. All of that is to build your soul. Your your spirit is positioned. That is unmovable. Satan can't do anything about that. Your mama can't do anything about that. Your family can't do anything about that. Society can't do anything about that. It don't matter what nobody say. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are born again of what type of seed? An incorruptible seed, it is imperishable, meaning it does not decay, meaning you do not make a mistake and lose salvation. Like I told you, God is not looking at your sin. He's looking at your maturity. Why? Anyone answer? Why? Okay, my turn. (laughs) Y'all not going to leave me out here like that. Because when he invited you into the family, you were 100% sinner. Don't get no better than that. You can't get any better at sinning than you were when he met you. So that can't be the issue. Sin can't be the issue. If it is, then he wouldn't have sent his son. If it is, he wouldn't have given you eternal life by believing in his son. There's no need of the born again process if nothing changes in his sight. So, um, we're going to come from Ephesians and we're going to do chapters, the entire chapter one and the entire chapter two. And I'm going to breeze through it. Now, Paul is announcing to the Ephesian church their position. You can go through all the epistles. You can go through the book of Romans, you can go through uh, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you can go through the book of Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Galatians, and it is the same verbiage, it is the same language, he is trying to spiritually build them up and make them aware of who they are in the spirit realm, according to the Father. He is not trying to make you aware of who you are according to your family and your friends and the government, and religion. He wants, we are the only, Christianity is the only religion that claim God as their father. Religion, by default, means to search for God, which makes Christianity not a religion. It's a relationship. We are the only ones that claim God as a father. Everyone else claim him as a God, and they're trying to get to him. We claim we already have him. We're not trying to obtain him. We're trying to learn how to be like him. He's already our father because we accepted what his son did on the cross. So we are not trying to get to God. You are not trying to be holy, which we'll talk about next week in position uh, in Christ part two. You are not trying to be holy. You are already holy in the, at the spirit level. It is your soul. It is your mind. It is your heart that is not holy. That's why we show up here. That's why we study. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. God has set this thing up so much that he's set the system up so much that now that you are born again, he has put it on you. And it's sort of like this. It's like him paying for your college and saying, now you just show up for class. (laughs) That's an analogy, ain't it? It's like I'm positioning you. I pay for a full ride. Any college you want to go to, now you show up and learn. You show up and study. And that's all you have to do. This walk is not hard. It's only hard if you are in the flesh. It's only hard if you don't understand that you are immature and need to mature. It's only hard if you don't understand that you are ignorant to his world and you need to learn it. If you think you already know, You're going to get the school of hard knocks. And one of my old pastors used to say the university of adversity. <laughs> so Paul is announcing to the Ephesians church, their position. Paul is trying to reveal two things. Paul is revealing how our lives have been changed through the born again experience. Meaning he is, he's letting us know that you have gained some stuff. Since you've been born again. And if you gain some stuff, that means you didn't have it. Secondly, Paul is trying to reveal to us whose plan this is. Now, everybody in here was born natural. Right. All right. We might have some. Some of Jesus' little brothers in here, immaculate conceptions. Now, the reason I ask you that, because it was not, you, you had no say-so in the plan of you being put on earth. It was not your plan. Now, between your mama and your daddy. It is the same thing in Christianity. This is not your plan. Being blessed, that's God's plan. Being healed, that's God's plan. The abundant life, that's his plan. Being born again, this is his plan. This is not your plan. Let me get into this. All right. Ephesians chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints. Now, saints are those who are elected. Elected means that God sends out An invitation for whoever wants to come into the family and whoever chooses to accept the invitation, they are saints. So this is to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? Who has, not who's going to, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So, right from the start, Paul is letting them know that you have already been blessed. God is not going to bless you, you have already been blessed. But the blessing is in heavenly places and it's in Christ. So because you have been born again, you have walked into the blessed life. You just got to know how to conduct yourself to get the blessing. Verse four. Now, I just told you, there's two things I want you to see as we go through these scriptures. Close that door. I need y'all to pay attention. I need y'all to pay attention. Lock in on me. There's two things I want you to to get as I go through these scriptures. One, that when you were born again, this belongs to you. Two, this is not your plan. This is his plan. So when you were born again, he blessed you, Sierra. You're not trying to get blessed. He has already put the blessing there. It's available. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So how do you get the blessing? become poor in spirit. You're already blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. How do you get the blessing? (laughs) Don't walk in ungodly counsel. Don't stand in the way of sinners, meaning that if you are a child of God, you should not be living a sinful life before people who who are not saved. It cuts your blessings off. Or don't sit in the seat of the scornful, which means don't have a hard heart towards people. Don't be unforgiving. So the Bible tells you that you have already been blessed. But then on the other hand, it tells you how to get the blessing. But right now, I'm just letting you know that you are blessed. Verse four. Just as he chose us. Who chose us? Come on. He chose us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, we're going to see this again. Anytime you see a scripture where it says that you were foreordained, that you were predestined or that something happened before the beginning of the world. He's letting you know that this decision was made before Genesis one and one. Genesis one and one says that in the beginning, God created the he- heavens and the earth. So he's letting you know that I made this decision before I created the heavens and the earth. This was a boardroom meeting between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and saying this is what we're going to do once I create time and space. Once I create the heavens and the earth, this is how things are going to go. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless. Before him, Dre, you hear this? He chose us before he created time and space. And he said, you're going to be holy and blameless in my sight. Man, I'm not going to see you like that. They're going to see every sin you make. They're going to see every mistake you make. They're going to call you hypocrites because you come to church, but you still got issues. But I want you to know how heaven sees you. You are holy and blameless in my sight. In love, verse five, he predestined us to adoption through Jesus Christ to himself. He did this for him. I'm going to say it again. He did this for him. This is what he wanted. You had absolutely nothing to do with this. You just have to accept it. Can I say something right now? We We are not even, we do not have a covenant with God. We do not have a covenant with God. The covenant that we are in right now is the covenant that he made with himself. Just like with your parents, mama and daddy made the covenant and you were born. You had absolutely nothing to do with the covenant. You're just a partaker of the covenant. That's why our kids just tell us they are hungry. They don't go into the covenant agreement. All that. Well, you said you're going to feed me when you had me. You said you was going to clothe me. That's why you have to switch your prayers up, because we pray for stuff that already belongs to us. We pray for stuff that is his responsibility to to supply already. That's why Jesus said, stop with the vain reputation in your prayer. That's why Jesus said, take no thoughts for what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear and what you're going to drink. He said, Take no thoughts for those things. Your father knows you need those things. Why? Because he's a parent. That's why the scripture says if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more do your heavenly father, who's holy? Now, holy means this that evil cannot influence him and it cannot inhabit him. So, God, your father can't have an evil thought about you, it's impossible. He told Jeremiah, who was not his child, he said, I know the thoughts that I think of you. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. All right. I'm going to be here forever. I don't keep going. Verse five. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Look at this. According to to the kind intention of his will. I'm just going to read to you. Verse six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, not your grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So he freely gave his stuff up to us because he loved us. Verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood. So in him, in Christ, because you were born again, you have redemption, means that, meaning that he purchased you. He purchased you. It was a ransom on your head, and he paid the price to get you back. And it was his son's blood. So he gave the ransom too. So you have been redeemed in him through his blood, watch this, the forgiveness of trespasses. Now, trespass is a sin, but it's it's when you sin ignorantly. According to the riches of his grace, are y'all reading this? Verse 8. Which he lavished on us. This is good. In all wisdom and insight, Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intentions, which he purposed in him. What can you do with that? (laughs) Y'all feel free? Verse 10. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. So eventually he created this system called grace and he created an administration or dispensation of grace in which he said, this is going to be the allotted time in which I give my son, put my son In earth, let him die for you. You can receive him. And it's going to be a time from uh, the time that he died on the cross to the time that he comes back. And this is called the dispensation of grace. And what this is, is a time that is allotted to every believer to grow up in Christ. Because after you die, there's no more growing up. You just show up with what you got. So it's not about you going to heaven. You're going to go to heaven if you are in Christ. Hell is for those who are outside of Christ. So it's not about if you're going to heaven, it is about what type of child are you going to show up as. Are you going to show up as an immature child who never allowed the father to raise you or are you going to show up as a child who you spent your life allowing him to raise you because with him raising you comes the blessings. All right. Y'all looking at me like, sit down. In him, verse 11, also we have obtained an inheritance. So we, now we have an inheritance. With a view to the redemption. Hold on. Yeah, went too quick. Verse 11. Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. They're going to word again. According to his purpose. Who works all things after the counsel of his will, which means, Chris, he didn't take nobody advice on this. He's just doing what he want to do. Out of his sovereignty, he decided this this was the plan that he wanted, Rodney. He decided that out of the counsel of his own will, he decided that he was going to predestine you according to his purpose. Verse 12, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, Being born again, like I told you, that's at the spirit level. But now he's saying after you believed, he applied the Holy Spirit to your soul. And that sealed you, which means it authenticated you. It said that you were ready to grow up because you don't grow up at the spirit level. You grow up at the soul level. Verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. So the Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance. (laughs) With a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Verse 15, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and... Your love for all the saints do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul said, when I after Paul gave them, ran down this rendition of everything that belonged to him, he he said, looking at y'all, I can see your faithfulness. I can see the love that you have for one another. So this is my prayer. When I go to pray, this is how I pray for you. This is how you pray for your family. This is how you pray as a leader in the ministry. He go to prayer. He said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul is praying that you will get a An understanding of what he has given you because you're born again. And he prayed that you will get a spirit of wisdom, which is supernatural intelligence and a spirit of revelation, which is an understanding of what is going on in the spirit realm. Verse 18, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He wants you to be informed. So that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? So he wants you to understand everything that he has given you. Everything that belongs to you. He wants you to understand the power that he demonstrated towards you. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Verse 20, which he brought about in Christ. So he's saying all of this stuff that I've given you happened in Christ. It happened in Christ, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So all this stuff has been brought about, Sierra, when he, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, was resurrected from the dead and ascended. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, which is a place of power. Yup. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, which is a place of power. I'm telling you this for a reason. He seated him at the right, at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21. You got to get this. You got to get where he seated. Wow. Okay. He seated him, verse 21 far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. Now this is the position of Christ. This is the position that Jesus Christ is in. Verse 22 And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I'm going to read that again because you have to get this. You have to get this. Verse 20, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the right hand, at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So he has authority and he has power over everything, not only now, but even in this age to come. <laughs> I ain't even got to the good part yet. Verse 22, he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church. Who ain't here part of the body of Christ? Please, everybody, raise your hand. Please, everybody, please raise your hand. Please. Okay. Which is his body and the church is the fullness of him who feels all in all. Now, we're going to go to the second chapter. Paul starts the second chapter by speaking in the next three verses of the former position that you were in. You have to see the change. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Like I told you trespasses is when you sin ignorantly and you do not understand what you're doing. You're sinning against heaven, but, you're, but it's ignorantly. That's why he said trespasses and sins because you have two other types of sins, which is transgression and iniquity. So, in your former, before you got saved, before you were born again, you were sinning on all three levels. That's why he said that you were Dead. You were dead, meaning that you were detached from his world. You were just like Adam and Eve. You got kicked out the garden. You no longer had contact with him. You could not pray. That's why in the Old Testament, they did everything through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Moses. It wasn't a collective body of people who could just talk to God. But Jesus changed that. So he says, you were dead. You were dead. Meaning that you can talk, but I can't hear you. Verse 2. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. He letting you know. According to the prince of the power of the air. Somebody say Satan. Of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. We address that. Verse 3. Among them We too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. I'm going to read that again. Among them, we too, we too, all, all of us lived according to the lust of our flesh, which means whatever our flesh told us to do, we did it. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So you didn't just do what your flesh told you to do. You you did whatever your family influenced you to do. You did whatever your friends influenced you to do. You did whatever society influenced you to do. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, what he just announced to you in these three verses was your position in Adam before you were born again. So he said, before you were born again, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You walked according to the world. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air. And this is what that means. That you walked according to a demonic culture and climate. Girl, it look good once you back? that thing. Just stop acting like y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all dropped it like it was hot. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, at least you're honest. Y'all up here denying. (laughs) So so he's saying you walk according to the demonic cultures and climates that now work in the sons of disobedience. Watch this. Who in here can now see the sons of disobedience? Who, who, come on, y'all, stop playing. Who can now see the sons of, of disobedience, meaning this? Who can now see those who are dead in their sins? Okay, I got a couple more. Keep your hands up. Who can see those walking according to the world? Who can see them? Who can see them? That's it, that's it. I need some hands, because I'm about to say something next, and you're going to be X'd out. <laughs> Who can see people walking according to the prince of the power of the air? Who can see people that are controlled by the demonic? Now, if you can see that, that is proof that you've been born again. That's proof. But because before you were born again, you didn't see it. It was your normal lifestyle. It was not until you got saved that you seen these things. You didn't have a decision in the matter. You weren't looking at if it was right or wrong. You weren't even looking at if it was sin or not. You just did it. So you lived after the lust of the flesh. You lived indulging your flesh. And because of your nature, it brought you to a life of wrath, which means that all your blessings were devoured. You became God's enemy. He was trying to bless you and you were doing everything in your power to not receive it. <laughs> That's all sin does. Sin disallows God to give you the blessing. Sin says I'm immature and I can't handle that. Sin says I, I'm ignorant and I'm walking in darkness. Verse 4. But God, but God, your father, watch this, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. So he looked at you in that position. He looked at you living by your flesh, walking in sin, doing all these things. And he said, it was then I loved you. That's why I made a decision. Verse five, even when you were dead in our, even when we were dead in our transgression, he made us alive. He made us alive. He made us alive, meaning he forced us. (laughs) He made us alive together with Christ. Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh. So, okay. he raised us up, meaning he elevated us. He promoted us. He made us joint heirs with Christ. He made us joint heirs with Christ. There's nothing you could do to earn that. He made you. But look at this. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why I told you what I just told you that that happened in Ephesians 1:21 and 23. It said that he has seated Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of him. And he made him uh, uh, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. Now, he said he did that for Jesus Christ in chapter one, verses 21 through 23. But now in chapter two, verses six, it said that he seated us with him in heavenly places. So if he seated us with him in heavenly places, that means that we are far above all rule. That's why sin should not rule you because you're seated far above it. So if Christ, if Christ is the head and we are the body and we have been born again into this family, he's letting you know your position so you don't walk around like some weak, decrepit Christian God ain't got no weak children. He has uninformed children. He has children who live without understanding. He don't have any weak children. If you oppressed it is because you allowed yourself to be oppressed. If you depressed, it's because you allow it. Why? Because you are seated far above rule, authority, power and dominion. So Satan has absolutely no power over you. The only thing that has power over you is Jesus. The position has power over you. So he seated us with Christ, meaning he positioned us with Christ. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. So if it's under his feet, y'all want to finish that? If it's under his feet, if it's under his feet, y'all ain't convinced. Y'all don't believe that, do y'all? Y'all just saying it. So if it's under his feet, and that's how you have to live. He positioned you so you can live from that. All right, I'm almost done. Now, why did he seat us in heavenly places with Christ? Verse 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show their surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. Now, what I just tell you when I started off, that you have been born again and you received some stuff. The second thing I told you, that this is not your plan. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. You just believed. That's it. You just believed, accepted it, and decided you're going to participate. What you don't have is because you're not participating. Okay. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works. So you can't boast. There's, you can't boast. You pray 40 hours a week. Oh, well. You still didn't earn nothing. You fast 80 days a year. So what? You still didn't earn this. The fasting and the praying is not make your life better. Verse 10 For we are his workmanship, which means he crafted us with his hands, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we will walk in them. He prepared it when? Beforehand. What does that mean? He prepared this before Genesis 1 and 1. Before he said, Let there be light. The plan was already put together. Verse 11. Therefore, remember, remember. That formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed by flesh, by the flesh, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. So you have uncircumcision and circumcision of the flesh, which meant in the Jewish culture, this was the only way God would accept you. Now the circumcision is of the spirit. And you don't have to worry about man accepting you, only about God accepting you. So he says, remember this. Verse 12, he said again, remember that you were at the time separated from Christ. Y'all remember that? Do you remember when you were separated from Christ? When you was praying and and it was bouncing off the ceiling? When you were separated with Christ? When your mind was being tormented, but you had no answers? When your life was busted and disgusted and you didn't know where to go. Remember. That you were at the time separated from Christ, meaning you only had the natural birth. You were not born again yet. He said you were excluded from the Commonwealth of Israel, meaning you were not part of the family and you were strangers to the covenant of promise, which means you did not have a covenant with God. Born again, brought you into the covenant, brought you into the covenant having no hope, and without God in the world. That is who you were. He said, remember that. You have to remind yourself of that. Paul talked about himself. He said he was the chiefest of all sinners. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of dividing wall. Verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. So there were two categories. It was Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, and then everybody else was a sinner. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, having been brought near by the blood of of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Because you are in him, you can now have peace. You do not have to worry about the wrath of God on your life. Because he brought you into the family to raise you. Where we at? Verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Are y'all reading this? So now that you have been born again... You have access to the father. The same access that Jesus had. There is no difference in the access. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens, with the saints, and are God's household. Which means that now you are God's family. That's what household means. You are now God's family. You are his immediate family. You ain't his distant family. Have you ever noticed in the scripture it says nothing about cousins? It says absolutely nothing about cousins. Ain't no cousins, ain't no aunties, ain't no uncles, it's just a father and children, household. You don't want a cousin living with you. <laughs> he says, so then you are, letting you know, identity. You are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens you are God's household. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, here it goes, is growing. So, us as a collective body, have been brought into his family to become a holy temple. And this is what we are growing into. We have not arrived there. We are growing into this. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit, not in the flesh. I'm going to read that again in whom you are also being built together we are not we are not being built as individuals let me say that again we are not being built built as individuals we are being built as a collective unit we are a body Just like in a natural family, you have a a husband, you have a wife, you have the children. That is one unit. The husband is building the family. The wife is building the family. The children are being built in the family. This is how it looks. So, We have been born again to become a spiritual force on earth because he says that in whom you are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit, not in the flesh. So we are being built or we have been born again to become a spiritual force in the earth. Teaching, preaching, praying, fasting, giving, loving, serving, forgiving, maturing as his children. Mic drop. I'm going to stop right there. We are positioned in Christ. There's a place to pray from. If you don't know, you will pray from the position you will pray from the position of your flesh. Or you will pray as an orphan. You will pray like someone looking for a father. You will pray to him as if He has not already made the covenant. The covenant has already been created. We talk to him sometimes like we're trying to get in, like we're trying to get in the family. This is not your plan. Say it with me. This is not my plan this is not your plan at all all you have to do is accept it and live by it it's like being adopted by a millionaire just accept it instead of waking up every day thinking they're gonna send me back to the orphanage That's how we live. We walk around living like we don't want to get sent back to the orphanage. Whatever you do, don't send me back to the orphanage. Whatever you do, don't kick me out the family. We haven't even talked about the orphan heart, the orphan mind, the orphan spirit. We all have it. And this is the qualifying factor. If you have not been born in heaven, lived in heaven, and came to earth, you are orphan. If you have not witnessed and understand God's kingdom, lived in his kingdom, the reason why Jesus could say, I only do what my father tells me to do, is because he knew him personally. He didn't think like an orphan, he was not worried about his father retracting the blessing. He was not worried about his father leaving him the only time he asked his father why have you forsaken me was when he was on the cross and all the sins of the world was placed on him and he had never felt that before he had never been in a position in which he felt the pain of all of the world on him but the father had departed from him because sin can't come in his presence when he said it is finished he took every possible sin that you could ever do and took it to hell and gave it back to the devil when he got down there, he snatched the keys to hell, death and the grave. Set the captives free, which means he said everybody who died in the Old Testament who were not in Christ. He set them free, led them over to heaven, then got back in his body and got up. <laughs> and went and talked to his disciples. Then ascended, sent the Holy Spirit. All that for you. <laughs> Which means that if it was just me on this planet by myself, he would have still did it. If it was just you, Dre, he would have still did it. The same plan that he did, he would have still done if it was just you, Tanya. He didn't need a group of people to agree. He did it because he wanted you to have this life. He wanted you to have this life. I'm I'm. Straight from the project. So if I say chew, don't say God bless you. (laughs) He wanted you to have this life. Jesus said, I came that you might might have life. Not some raggedy life. Not some ordinary life. He said, I came that you may have life and have. He could have stopped right there and we was good with that, right? He goes on to say that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So he don't want you to just have this I'm saved life. You're saved with gifts, talents, abilities. You're saved with an army of angels at your behest when you pray. You're saved with a father that's in heaven. You're an heir of him, but then you're a joint heir with Jesus. Your position. But if you don't know it, (laughs) you'll walk around like someone with a a billion dollar inheritance, but don't know it. And then you find out when you are 80, you mean to tell me when I was 18 years old, I had a billion dollar inheritance and I've walked all around this world, begging, asking, borrowing bankruptcy three times lost my house wife left me friends don't like me people talk about me and i had this inheritance the whole time this is how it looks this is how it looks when god looks down on earth and he look at look at the world like if y'all only knew if you only knew (laughs) if you only knew your position that's why in scripture, most of the most of the prayers he's telling you to pray is directed towards the world. He's not telling you to pray for yourself. He told him to ask. He just asked me. Seek. Knock. But pray for the world. Pray for them that they will come in. But you know why we don't pray? Because we don't know what we got. We don't know what we have. So we don't pray for them to get it because we don't know that we have it. Amen.